break it off. Checking everything. She's checking. She's getting it all ready. Check, baby, check. Check, baby. Oh! <laughs> I was just going to do the same thing. I'm too young to know that. Check, yes. baby, check. Oh, my God. You have what? to listen to that. What? Does that need to go? Rum shaker. It needs yes. to be on the we playlist. Have to put it might shaker. not be on the playlist. Yes. I'll have to check on that. Yeah. Add it to your list. Add it Three. to your Saturday list. Rum shaker. Okay. The original rum shaker. Mm-hmm. You know it. Rex and effects. Rex. Oh, I'm impressed. You knew that part. What? I don't know that part. No. Fifi? And, and you're impressed. With Who's Fifi? I know FIFA. It's a soccer game. Oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> I thought I was loud. That was loud. He's here. He's there. Yeah. He's, He's every fucking where. Roy Kent. Oh, Roy Kent. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. We're ready now. I'm going to go ahead and go with maybe we should... Not podcast on Monday nights anymore. <laughs> ladies, a little ladies. Holy moly. I don't think I should do it. No. <laughs> I'm not my best. This is, yeah. This we, is the intro. We watched. Sorry. Turn we, it down. We watched Second Base get sexy, sexy eyes. eyes. Nice. We did. Why was Laura Von there? <laughs> I told her the story. Laura Von there? I told her oh the, the story. No, we did. Um, we took pictures of it, and we did the. Um, does size really matter? Caleb's going to. Awesome. That's why we took a picture of the big one and the little one. We're going to be like, hey, guys, when she says size, does size really <laughs> When you ask. And then we're going to get a picture at oh, some yeah. point Wednesday or even Saturday morning and get the, the beer overflowing. Because so it's So it's carved. like oozing. So and it's flowing wow. Calm down, guys. It's Calm just down. second base. Just second base. Keep it under control. I like that. Wow. I like that. Did Kelly come up with that? No. No. Stephanie and I did. Stephanie and I did. He wasn't even there. Oh, well, this is awkward now. He ran home to get the frother. All I heard was sexy eyes. And when I think of sexy eyes, I think of Laura Michelle Vaughn. Did I make up that name? You betcha. The middle one I did. No, we were pouring it off the fermenter. And it was, since it's super carb before we keg it, we it kept... Flo- big the foam was just over had big head so, wow. so i was like oh calm yourself down there it's only second <laughs> Stephanie's like oh my god that's awesome that's it we're going with that's, that's it. it that's what that's we're going with that's it so there you go calm down it's only second base best ideas happen on the fly <laughs> joe hamley we'll just throw all the names out today oh, Jesus. joe Hel- who listened to the podcast are we recording this? <gasps> yes, yes. Oh, okay. um joe and carmen hamley listened the other day and they love it oh good so here is my little claim to fame that I like to say. And by claim to fame, I mean I told Joe Helmley the we're calling it second base. And he goes, can you call it second base at least? And I was like, <laughs> sure. Sure. No. So there you go, Joe oh Helmley. All right. Focus. It's Monday Focus. night. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Women in Marine podcast. Hello. On a Hello. Monday night. On a Monday <laughs> night, if, if you didn't already gather that. On a Monday I'm Carrie, it's and good stuff. we've got Aaron and Amanda, Hello. and a special guest today. Yay. Hey guys, again, it's Hi. Stephanie. How are you? Welcome. Yay. Awesome. Welcome back, Stephanie. We're so Thank excited you. to have you again. Yeah, third time's Yay. a charm. That's what right? I hear. What a, what a day. You know, those first two times are a little funky, because yeah. you got to get to know each other a little better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here we are. Get a feel for each other. So if anybody's listening and they're like, what the heck is going on? Well, episode eight. Oh, adversity yeah yep. and then episode 19 when we did the hellas tastings yeah delicious um and so now we're here to save second base mm-hmm. yeah yes. we are saving second base saving so, second yeah. base. so amanda tell us about second base 
I mean, which one? I need a little <laughs> bit more guidance on a Monday the, night if you can't tell. The actual beer that we made. The actual that- beer. It's a Berliner Weiss, it is, which is a German sour. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, it's inspired by cherry limeade cherry from lime. Sonic. Um, yes. It's very delicious. And the proceeds are going to go to breast cancer awareness because save the second base tatas, guys. That's right. Is that what you meant? So, yeah. We, I, you're motioning for something. Sorry. Oh, it was the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She didn't want your pen. So, yes. Women, oh, now I'm going to draw. The women in brewing team, our most latest creation is second base, our cherry limeade Berliner Weiss. We're getting ready to do some pictures with cherries and limes, too. Yes. Always. So we're excited about that. What so we were doing a photo shoot day. earlier with the beer, giving her sexy eyes. Sexy That's why awesome. we're being silly. Laura Vaughn. So. <laughs> Get it together. Sorry. You say sexy eyes, there's only one person I think of. Good gracious. But we are here with <laughs> we Stephanie. Are here. For a real reason, not her sexy eyes. <laughs> that is correct. I mean, I'll try, but nobody can see them. It's more her sexy tatas. I was going to say. <laughs> okay. You can't. We can't miss them. Can't what we them. do. Um, so I guess, should we lead right into it? So, I guess, so you Stephanie, know, you were on earlier. I was on episode eight. We talked yeah. about adversity and some, some you know, life things that, you know, everybody has their shit they go through. And some of the things that I have personally gone through, maybe not everybody has been through them, but one of them was that I have been a diagnosed with breast cancer and I'm a breast cancer survivor. Um, yeah, you are. Yes. yes. I'm a yeah. <laughs> we need soundtracks. You should be in charge of the soundtracks. Illustrious producer edited that out. So so I gave like the quick the long story short, Cliff's notes version of my breast cancer scenario. And you know, how I found out and what I did in, in my treatment options and coming out on the other side, which I'm super thankful for. And um, here we are coming into October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which to me, like I, I mentioned in episode eight, every day is breast cancer awareness. You know, I, I don't talk about what I have gone through because I have come through it and I'm a stronger person for it. I just really... Um, think about the people who get the diagnosis and don't come out the other side or don't maybe have the opportunities to treat their their cancer and their diagnosis the way that that maybe they hoped for and you know still don't don't come out the other side the way they anticipated or wanted or dreamed um so my my history my personal medical history is i prior We'll get, we'll get to this, but I, my natural born, my factory installed set um, was a, I I had a history of dense tissue and cysts and there, you know, I would always, you know, feel something or they would do ultrasounds because of that, that would always, you know, Hey, you should go and have, have these biopsies. Well, my, my grandfather on my dad's side had breast cancer and she was diagnosed in either 1986 or 1987 and she was diagnosed with super advanced stage four breast cancer. I know nothing about the details of her case. I was seven or eight, maybe just a little older than that when when it all happened. But I just remember visiting her in the hospital and uh, she didn't live 
very much past you know getting the right. diagnosis yeah so I was maybe within within the year mm-hmm. and so being too young to understand what was going on and of course in the 1980s you know they didn't understand right. cancer or any cancer mm-hmm. really the way that we do now and there weren't you know the treatment options um, so I always wondered and had it in the back of my mind that maybe because I am the only grandchild granddaughter on her side of the family if it would ever be in the cards for me and so I you know I never dwelled on it but mm-hmm. always you know maybe you know that would be in A the cards for me right and so now fast forward you know as an adult and now I have these the, the history of the dense tissues and I have cysts and you know have had ultrasounds where you can see clearly see the cyst within the tissue um, I had a biopsy in 2003 that thankfully came back benign so I was like all right cool this and how is old just, were you then you maybe t- let's see 25 okay so you're i mean you're, mm-hmm. 20 yeah, 25. yeah just to kind of put it in yeah. perspective age-wise how yes, you're dealing with this yes. yeah and so for a few years before that i had already known and, and been told you know by doctors and uh, the gynecologist and everything that would do the the checks at the yearly appointments that my situation was you know dense and cysty tissues um so fast forward, you know, I, so I, I got that benign test result and I was thankful, you know, no, no other further treatment. So fast forward um, in January or February of 2015, I was laying in bed and I just felt this kind of like a dull light kind of pain in my right armpit. It wasn't like a shooting or a stabbing pain or a sensation, but I knew enough that, hey, I need to, next time I go to my yearly gynecology appointment, I should bring this up and have it um, addressed. Well, of course, you know, life gets in the way. And so I didn't immediately have an appointment scheduled. And I I didn't knowingly, like, willingly go through and call and say, hey, I need to make an appointment for this time frame. And by the way, we need to have this checked. Right. So um, I think once or twice after that, I felt that sensation again in my right armpit. But it was not as um, pronounced as it was the first time. And so... I finally made my appointment with my gynecologist, and that was November 5th of 2015. And I let her know what was going on, and she, you know, she did her checks. And because of my my past history, she's like, well, we're gonna refer you to have an mm-hmm. ultrasound just to check things out, which was totally normal for me. You know, I, was, right. I knew the drill. At the time, I was working two jobs. I had my regular job now that I still have with, uh, that I work with Ben. Mm-hmm doing budgets and financials, but I'm also, I don't think any of the previous episodes we brought this up, but I'm also a dental hygienist. And so I was working budgets some days a week and the other days of the week, I was also working in an office downtown. And so when when I d- went to the gynecologist and she says, okay, we're gonna schedule you for a referral. We're gonna do this um, ultrasound. So that was November 5th. November 10th was when I had that appointment to go see um, the imaging radiologist. And I had an appointment at 7.15 in the morning. Of course. It was on one of my dental days. I'm in my scrubs and I went, I scheduled it first thing because I didn't know how long it was gonna take, but I also didn't wanna like risk because traffic is horrible here. Anybody (laughs) that lives in Charleston, traffic is horrible here. And so my commute was regularly an hour, um, 45 minutes to an hour. And it should only take 25 minutes. Right. Anyways, so I just didn't want to cut anything close. And so my appointment on November 10th was at 7.15. I show up. 
I fill out all the paperwork. I tell them I'm here for an ultrasound. And they said, yeah, that's not gonna happen today because your family history has breast cancer and you have already had issues. So we are not doing the ultrasound, but we're gonna do the mammogram first. Ah. I was 37 and I was like, what the fuck? I need to get to work. I'm only here for the ultrasound. (laughs) There's nothing there. Yeah, just do the ultrasound. We'll schedule this, we'll come back, whatever. And so I, I don't even remember how long I was there, but you, know, you have to change into robes. Where did you go? I went to um, Women's Imaging over there, right outside of Trident Hospital mm-hmm. on, okay. on okay. was that Rivers, mm-hmm. whatever they call it, right yep. there. And um, so I'm, I'm in my robes. I'm going and getting squished, and I'm waiting and anticipating because you always hear the nightmare stories of how painful it is, right. and uh, they're squishing you this way and that way. I must have had a really good person. This is the only mammogram I've ever had. And I i mean, it, it's not something that I would do on a regular basis, <laughs> but it wasn't as bad as I had always heard. And right. you know, people complaining, oh, the, uh. now you have to stand in awkward positions. Right. But so they got all their imaging and everything. And they helped me, they took me into a back room to now finally do the ultrasound. Right. Cause right. yeah, that's what I was there for, right? And um, they did the ultrasound, and of course they found cysts because you know that's normal for me. And I told them that's <laughs> what they were going to find. But uh, the radiologist came in and he says, "Well, you know, we are going to have to schedule you for a biopsy." And of course, it's like I'm getting ready to go to work, right. see my own patients. What do you mean? What is this? You know, what's going on? And so he pulls out my mammograms mm-hmm. on his 4K monitors. And and I was, by, you know, of course I'm right. by myself. I, I think I'm only there for the ultrasound. I'm going to drive into work. No big deal. It's just right. another day. So Hold it, on it was for on one a, second. Are you married at this time? Are I, you? Okay. I, I was married at the time, and he was at work. Okay. Um, but I didn't think anything, you know, right. of it. It wasn't supposed to be a serious appointment. And so he pulls me into his his actual office mm-hmm. to look at the images on his 4K monitors, and he's got two. And he's got the left and the right breast up on the image. And the right breast looked like I had been hit with buckshot. And the left one had one. So there was all these white spots all over the mammogram. And he's, you know, he's telling me that this, of course, is not normal. And this is indicative of breast cancer. um, But we don't know what it is. So I, of course, because they don't have any biopsy results then or anything like that. They, They can't say anything. But, you know, that's what he used to then validate the need to refer me to right. have a biopsy done so i'm like okay so now i've got all these things running through right. my head I, I go to work and you know it's, oh, it's a normal day <laughs> um you know and you see your patients and you just continue on with things and you know i didn't have any other information so i can't plan for anything and so um so that was november 10th that i had my imaging done in my mammogram november uh, 20 2015 20, so. 2015 yeah november 24th 4th 2015 I had a biopsy scheduled for 7 30 in the morning this was before work at my regular office and you love doing things right before work <laughs> I mean I, I work two jobs there's no other way I get it I, you know I yeah. can't make it in because I'm done. always at work and they right. don't do things on the weekend no, how dare not. they they want days off right um but on this particular day um, so this was, I had this done before work. Um, also 
actually I lie, it was before another dental office day. And so I went in 7.30 in the morning. It was also, uh, I think, a Tuesday. And I went in, scrubs, whatever. They set me on the table, and it was just in a room with you know, like the, the imaging stuff. And I think they could take x-rays as well in that one. And they, they numb your breast. They, they did this. Bless you. They did this on the right breast because that was the one the, the more, more severe. Yeah. Right. And so they, they got me numb. I'm laying on my left side. They made the incision. I can't even tell you where it was anymore um, just because I just kind of like blocked that out of my mind. But they cut you open and they take some tissue samples mm-hmm. of, of where the some of the microcalcifications were and they place a marker at the site of the biopsy. The marker is, it, they also call it a clip, but it mm-hmm. looks like like two or three millimeters worth of, you know, the spiral wire in a ballpoint pen, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, retractable. It looks like that. Ooh. And it, it's just, but you can't feel it well, when it's right, placed. But still. <laughs> but it's still, like, they show it to you before they even do the thing because they, they want to explain everything right, to you. Right, which is great, but. Yeah, and then, but I'm like, oh. I have a, a pen in my chest, right. but oh, whatever. Okay. Um, but the reason they place that is so that um, at future appointments, depending on what your treatment decision is and what the outcome is, mm-hmm. they know where to go back to for that treatment. That's and it shows up on mammograms and x-rays, things okay. like that. But it just looked like a little quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are different kinds, but that's that's the one that they placed in mine. Mm-hmm. So they put the markers in and, you know, did, I think they did two at the time. You really can't feel it. Um, my incision was closed with tape because you can, you can close that up with stitches okay. or, or tape. Incision, it's a very yeah. small incision, yes. But the entire time they make you sit, really, like you're laid on this table, no shirt on, you're just all out there. You've got these people coming in and out of the room, and they're doing their thing, but they keep telling you, and they get stern about it at some point, you know, not to move. Well, if you're breathing, that's right. moving, and <laughs> that say, yeah. sometimes was too much. Like if I would try and take really shallow breaths, and at some point you really have to, like, inhale right. and let it right. out and stop moving. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to exist. Exactly. Um, well, and not to, to mention, I'm sure you're just anxious. And, like, and I mean, you're anxious, and you just want to get out of there. I just wanted, not that I wanted to get to work. I just didn't want to be there, but I wanted to get to work. I just, you right. know, all the all those things. Well, and I'm sure too, being anxious. Like now, you're comfortable with it, but laying on a table with your breasts yeah, on just your side, out, you don't know these you, people. Yeah, you know. And I get it's medical, but it's still it's still as awkward. a woman we don't walk around with our <laughs> new with strangers touching you and right. you know. Uh, so all the things, yeah. all the things, yeah. So that was November twenty fourth. The next day, it was a Wednesday. It's the last day before Thanksgiving. I was say, yeah. We're right here at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah. Last day before Thanksgiving, yeah. two thousand fifteen. And I am at work, I think it was like midday, maybe right around lunch. And I, I just remember that I still had some a couple of hours to go at the very least. And I got a call on my cell phone and he introduced himself as the radiologist, the, the gentleman mm-hmm. who showed me my images on his 4K monitors. And I said, oh, please hold. Everybody pretty much was gone. The, the building was fairly empty because of the vacation, uh, Thanksgiving vac- vacation. And so uh, my cube there is right outside some 
office um, locations with doors. A lot of those people were gone too. So I took the opportunity to step out really quickly into one of those offices and close the door and proceed to say, yes, this is, this is she, this is Stephanie. Right. And he says, um, he proceeds to tell me that, um, the, sorry. You're fine. The results of my biopsy the day before right. were in fact breast cancer mm. and I'm 37. Right. And so like young people don't get this, right? Mm -hmm. Although when I went through dental hygiene school in, I started in 2013, there was a girl from another school here in the state who was only 22, had a like 18 month old child and she was diagnosed with pretty advanced uh, breast cancer. I don't know whatever happened with her or right. if, you know, she survived, but you know, it, this, this shouldn't be happening. Like this is something older people get, right? right. Not that anyone's, you know, immune from it, but um, so I got, I'm standing in the office with the door closed and I hear him tell me that I have breast cancer and it was, I will never forget it. And anybody who gets a shitty diagnosis like that for anything, or you find out, you know, like your marriage is falling apart or, or somebody has passed away, just any bad news, like I... It was like something out of a movie and it was like in a war scene when a flashbang goes off and all of a sudden you're you hear nothing and all of a sudden there's this high pitch like sh like sound that's going off and as the this like sound is fading out the doctor's voice was fading in right so i i'm sure i missed some of what he was telling oh, yeah. me um but I, I will never forget that, that moment. Um, but the only thing I, I said was, what's next? And he, right. you know, he told me the kind of cancer that it was. I was stage zero DCIS, which just means it's the super early stages right. of the cancer. But the DCIS was ductal carcinoma in situ. And that just means that there are microcalcifications in all of the ducts in your breast, which just like on the right side, right. when he showed me, I looked like I was hit with buckshot. And so that was, that was a, a rough day to say the least, but I oh, still had like an hour or so to go that I knew right. for sure. I still had like tasking. I could have left work, but I, I like to get things as completed as I can. So well, I'm sure it helped kind of it yeah, zone you kept to kind of do something. My mind off of it, but I... I gotta say that that ride home, uh, I sobbed. I am, and it was imagine. it was kind of a dreary day, and so right. it just like fit the bill, yeah. oddly enough. But yeah, I was just like, "What next?" And he right. said, "Well, you know, we'll send you to um, to get another biopsy." So I had to go and get another biopsy, but this one was um, more in depth. I also was set up with appointments to meet my breast cancer doctor my breast doctor dr jennifer Beatty, who is my angel <laughs> um, that's awesome i was set up so that was the day before thanksgiving and sort of sort of part of me i was like kind of thanks <laughs> for <laughs> right. finding this um but it's still you know freaking crazy um 
December 7th was when I met my breast doctors and thankfully I was able, so the plastic surgeon that she works with Mm -hmm. was also going to be at her office because they have their own offices, but they work in tandem. So sometimes they will meet up together. And this was one of those days and I I had no idea that that was going to be the case. So hold on a second, rewind. You Mm -hmm. decided to do what? So, so I know I, people haven't listened to the previous podcast, so kind of fill them in. You made the decision pretty quickly, right? Yes, but it was at that appointment. Okay, okay. Um, so I saw Dr. Beatty, and she she was like, you know, here's all the information. This is These are the treatment options that we can do. One of them was, so essentially because the right breast was so widespread, she said we could do mastectomy on that one and a lumpectomy on the left side. The problem, so if I chose willingly to do lumpectomy on the right side, they were not comfortable with the ability to get clean parameters on mm. because it was so widespread right, that right. you know it would they, there was just going to be an increased risk of recurrence. And so I said, well, you know, what else could I do? Well, I could do the lumpectomies. I could, would then have to be on tamoxifen, and I think that's chemo. Okay. Mm-hmm. The issue with the tamoxifen, I was 37. I was at that stage, um, and still now, but especially then more so, I was still under the um, thought process that my <coughs> ex at the time and I were going to start a family. And when you take tamoxifen, you cannot, you can't be pregnant when you're put on it, and you can't be trying to have children while you're on it for five years so I was like well, well shit that's gonna be I'll, I'll, be, I'll 42. be 42 yeah and I can't do that I don't know what um uh, menopause is gonna be or how soon that'll be or you know just whatever right. I just didn't want to blatantly blanket wipe out five years of you right. know the not to mention the high risk when you're 40 when and you have risk, a baby is, exactly I mean, as and you so, get older 37 there's already risks there's already so, yeah. I was I forget what the term is geriatric no <laughs> That's what they tell me. That's what they told me. Geriatric is. is 35, which is an insane <laughs> statement. Sorry, my 35 year old friends tell me about it. Sorry. If you're not there yet, well, you're not. You're, you're not yeah, geriatric you're. yet. <laughs> I am in my mind. Okay. Well, she's not going to have kids either. Um, so, so she's telling me all these options, and she says, "By the way, Dr. Tommy Hom, who is a wonderful plastic surgeon here in the Charleston area. I don't know if I'm allowed to plug either one of them, yeah. but yeah, they are go my for angels. Why can't you? Yeah. They're my angels. Um, so she said, he's going to be here at, you know, one o'clock. Why don't you, we will squeeze you in, go to lunch, think about what we have just discussed and your options, and then come back and we'll see what you have, have you know, considered. Right. So hold on a second. You were still so, married. I was still married. Were right. you alone? Um, no, so he was actually there that day. Okay. Thank you. Yes, he was there that day. Um, I will, I'm the worst at telling stories. No, you're I will back up. So the day before Thanksgiving when I got the diagnosis and I came home and he was, um, in the, in the office and I walked in and I'm standing in the doorway and I told him that I got the call and he said, well, you know, what did they say? And I just broke down and I was shaking my head. No. That's what I was getting ready to ask you about. Tell me about those days between Thanksgiving and before you went to this other appointment. I didn't want to be around anybody. Yeah. I didn't want to be around. You know, I, even though I wasn't like, poor me, why, why the fuck right. is this happening to me? I 
just didn't want to be around anybody. And I didn't feel like I, this might sound horrible, but I didn't think I had anything to be thankful for except for mm-hmm. that they found it. But at the same time, like I, I couldn't, at that time, we had not said anything to the rest of the families, mine or his, because we just didn't know. We didn't right. know what the path forward, we didn't know anything about what was going to happen or you know, we didn't know how this was going to turn out. And so we wanted to wait until we at least had the appointment with Dr. Beatty and ultimately Dr. Hom before we said anything because we didn't have anything definitive. Right. You know, big, ulti- you know human nature is to ask, you know, well, what next? What about this? Right. And I wouldn't have had any answers. Right. And so I just didn't want to feel like so secluded in my own head while also trying to be around other people and entertain them. Right. Um, it's it's a very strange place and headspace to be in. But I, you know, I'm still positive and I, right. I don't know. I mean, I've never asked, but like nobody asked, hey, are you okay? Like what's going on? You know, because right. you know, you can also pick up like on vibes. whether people are doing okay or not. But yeah, it was just a, a strange time too. And then you, you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other until that next appointment. And you don't know what to expect. Um, but I met with Dr. Beatty. We went to lunch. And at lunch, I had already said, we're going to take them. Mm-hmm. Plural. I, I, if there's anything I can do to never hear the diagnosis again, right. uh, which is still a risk anytime you have any kind of cancer, there's right. always a risk that it'll come back. And breast cancer, I'm not an expert, so nobody can at me, but I'm not, you know, anytime you have breast cancer, the risk and, and chance of it down the road, um, metastasizing to something else, you know, bone cancer, yeah. whatever, you know, anything. Um, is still there. Yes. Just because they cleared out that cancer doesn't mean it does, it's not going to come back as something else. And so that's still a, a possibility. I have other things in my family history that I, I'm, you know, watching out for and I do the procedures. And apparently the last five years I do for fun. Um, but um, what do you mean? The last five years you do for fun. What do you mean, Stephanie? So I have colon cancer. I was going to say yeah. colonoscopy. Colon <laughs> cancer in my family yeah. too. I, I'm fine because, like, anymore it's it's my hobby because I've had what three in the last seven months. Barium is delicious. It's Eleven <laughs> months. Eleven months. But barium is delicious. It's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, God, it's the worst. <laughs> so you know the, the adulting stuff that is not fun and, right. and you know certain things that you have to do. It's just I'm willing to do whatever it takes to ensure that. I, whether it's overdue or not, that I'm taking the steps to make sure that I'm doing everything I can in my control to make sure that I'm doing the right things to look out for my health. Um, and so at lunch, I did that on December 7th, I decided that this was what I was going to do. And of course, he was okay with it. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was not ever of the, no, that, you know, those are mine. And you're gonna, it was never like that. It was just, you know, I support you in this, which I completely appreciate because not everybody has that either. Right. Um, but we came back from lunch and I sat in with Dr. Hom and he's going over the options and I told both of them that my decision was, so no, we're going to take them. And they were like, you don't have, like, this isn't something you have to decide today. Like you can honestly think about it. You don't have to tell us tomorrow. You don't have to tell us next week. But so long as we, we understand what's going on and that you're making a decision for your health. And, but I was like, no, we're gonna, I don't ever, 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 if I can help it, 
want to hear this diagnosis again because again it was like a flash bomb going off mm-hmm. and you know you're you're mentally disoriented and then you know that high pitch ringing and as that's you know fading out and the voice is fading in and that's why that's why when you go after having a biopsy they recommend that you go with somebody mm-hmm. so that if the news is not what you anticipated right. Somebody's there to pick up those pieces and and take inventory of what was being told right. and the options, because all of a sudden, in Deadpool is not the best reference, but you know when they're sitting in the oncology office and and he's just thinking about like the the traces of her face and da da da, da and he's like else. and he's like well and she's thinking about you know Plan B C D E, that's that's the whole reason for having right. having the the person there, but because I got that call at work like I didn't have that and so. We'll never, ever, ever forget that day. Um, but when I was talking with Dr. Hom, he's telling me now that now they're they're okay and secure in my decision to ultimately take them. I knew that I would never ever be comfortable. It's just just who I am, and in this is only my decision. But I knew that I would never ever be comfortable in my skin if I didn't have reconstruction afterwards. Right. Um, did they accept your answer that day? They did. Okay. Yeah. They did. And I had some other appointments and they still were like, you know, you, we start, this is still right. what we're going to do. And I was like, yep. I, I never uh, faltered on that or waved on my decision to do that. And I would still to this day go back and do it again. Absolutely. 100%. I would still do the same thing over again. And so here's a kind of personal, you know, and you feel free to answer it, but there are a lot of women who define themselves by their their breasts and their sexuality yeah. did you feel like you were losing part of being I, a woman like part, part of, of that femininity um mm-hmm. honestly yeah mm-hmm. i i just the other thing too is i not that i def i and i don't but i you know i don't define myself by having somebody in my life because now right. i haven't had anybody in my life <laughs> but but i i would not feel comfortable being intimate even with my husband at the time Without, like, I just would, I felt incomplete. Okay. Um, and I still, to this day, that's my answer. That, right. I mean. Right. No, and yeah. that's an honest answer. That's, I mean, that, you know, that's, in a lot of women, I, I, I can't imagine that there are, I don't know how to say this without, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but that's part of who we are mm-hmm. as women mm-hmm. that kind of define, and it doesn't define us. I don't mean it that way, but it, right. it does make us women. Right. You know, it's it's part of what we use to, with children, with, mm-hmm. you know, it's so it's right. not like it's, oh, whatever. I, and Stephanie and I have had these discussions about how they're flab back, you know, I mean, <laughs> but at the same time as a woman, they that's are just a part, part of, of you. the essence of, uh, I feel the essence of being a woman and I completely applaud women who decide for one reason or another for themselves that they are not going to proceed with having uh, reconstruction or there's also reconstruction is not just necessarily implants right you can have so if you have enough tissue or if you have if you carry extra weight um, you can they can do a procedure where they take tissue and fat from like your belly mm-hmm. and place that and try and do as best as they can right. to build breast tissue um it does not by any means look 
the ones that I have seen, at mm-hmm. least, that were presented to me as options, does not look like breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, but if for, for women who are against implants or right. a foreign body in, in, their, in their body, then that's, that's an option, right. potentially. Um, but I knew for me that I, I just couldn't do that. I, right. I ch- off, right off the rip, I chose to do implant reconstruction. Right. And I didn't know what kind they were going to be. I just knew that I could not, um, for myself, feel okay in my skin and comfortable mm-hmm. with just going with the mastectomy and that's, that's right. it. Which is perfectly, I mean, that's, you know... You own it. That's it just yeah. part. It's all fine. It's part of who yeah. we are. It is. I mean, and, and you think about it. You know, as a as a young girl, that's one of your coming of age things. Other than, of course, you know, having your period. But right. I mean, it really is. Right. When did you get your boobs? Yeah. You know, when yeah, did you? So when did your boobs come in? When that, did you get your yeah. bra? When did you get? I mean, yeah. so it's not like it's. You know, we grew up in that era when that it was. You know, when did you get your training bra? Oh, she wears a training bra. Yes. You know, it yeah. was it it was very much a big deal. So it was very much ingrained in us that yeah. that's part of being a woman. And I'm not saying it is or isn't. It's just that's the way we were raised. Right. So you know, right. having to mm-hmm. kind of condition ourselves that. And then you know, know the trying to reprogram that. Right. I think it it just would have been so difficult. And I think you know, ultimately my marriage failed for other reasons but I think ultimately that because I would not have been comfortable with myself mm-hmm. at the time I I think that ultimately my marriage would have suffered even you know earlier right um it, by no fault of anybody's but yeah that was right I I would absolutely do it again and you know that's not to say that anybody that chooses not to is is any different right. you know we're all beautiful in you know each right. other i just it's a personal choice well, that's what it's a personal i mean it's what all choice. of it's 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 yeah. personal, personal choice, choice like you chose to take yeah, both right. of them yeah so right. again this is yeah. just strictly for everybody listening just just my experience just my story um but there are a million out there right. you know completely different stories and, and no two are alike well and so let's go back because your story's not done <laughs> not, not, not done. even close no not even so close. you decided you were you were you know take them and and rebuild me yep I, six million dollar man yeah <laughs> upgrade I, can you even call it that like you know um just something different so just something different so so not only did they um give me the different options for mm-hmm. you know the procedures that I could do, the the uh, reconstruction options that I could do, but they also kind of go, went over what to expect with um, the double mastectomy that I ultimately went with. Um, in the meantime, I because I've now had a biopsy so far, right. and, and now I'm you know now I, I'm assigned to an oncologist, and um, at some point they mail you a cancer 101 packet. And it has, you know, some books. And so I brought this planner that I have that I never actually filled out because I just thought at the time, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, what do I need to do with this? Right. But it has so much information on different stages of cancer, different procedures that they can do for you to, um, that you might experience to further diagnose whatever is going on, whatever they find out, uh, information and resources there's a calendar in here. There's a planner thing in here. There's an address book to put all your your doctor's uh, contact information, and you can just you know put a place to put your medical history, just different things in here. So it's all in one place. 
so that you can take it to all of your appointments and just have all of it at mm -hmm. your fingertips. Right. But I never did end up using it. There was a whole bunch of other things in the box that came, and when it showed up on the doorstep, I was like, what is this? Um, right. I need a copy of this for my dad. It's, yeah. He needs this, for yeah. real. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. <laughs> he does. So, um, December 7th was when I met my breast doctor and my plastic surgeon. I was also, if, if you'll remember, probably just before that, I was told that I was going to have to go and have another biopsy done. And this time it was going to be an MRI-guided biopsy, which I, I don't know anybody who's actually gone, like personally, who's right. actually gone through cancer. Right. So I don't know what to expect. I just show up and do the thing. This was, this was the day that I showed up that I was actually working at my regular job. Okay. <laughs> and. Wait, you went on a day you were working? I always went on a day she, I was working. She works I every know. day. But I always also went, aside from Take meeting, a day off, Stephanie. Yeah, I work, like, I'm, I hustle the hell out of this life. Yeah, and, she does. Ugh, Take a day off. I've worked two jobs on and off since I was 21. There's no rest for the weary. Um. But this was a day that we were supposed to, like, the boss, the big boss, was going to take a bunch of people to a lunch for appreciation for Christmas downtown. Oh, okay. All right, so cool. So you're ready to go celebrate. So, sure, whatever. Let's, let's rock and roll with this. I don't remember what time the, the MRI was, but it was early in the morning. I showed up in my dress because I'm, oh, going, I'm going to lunch. Oh, yeah. You're ready. I'm going to lunch, right? You're dolled up. Well, again, I was there by myself. Um, I show up by choice, I should say, by choice. Um, so I show up, and they, they get, have you get changed, and I, you're laying face down in the MRI machine, hmm. and you cannot move. Yep. Cannot move. So I'm laying face down. Um, it's, it's a very painful position because the way the, the – drawer i don't know what they call that that you read the like like the, the slide out the slide basically. out yeah yeah so there's like pieces on the side that mm -hmm. you're so you're laying on your stomach it's there's a bar that goes between like in across your sternum so that your breasts are hanging right and the the sides of the the rollout um the slider are digging into my ribs oh this if I had to guess, it was probably about a 45 minute procedure. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and there's a handlebar in the front and they numb you up. They're, the nurses and the doctors are doing their thing. They numb you up and they still telling me, don't move. don't move. And they do their incision. Well, I see blood falling to the floor. Right. And it looks like, for lack of a better description, a stuck pig like it, there's it's a lot there's yeah. a puddle on oh, the floor God. of course you don't feel it because you're numb oh. but still and so you know i'm i'm breathing they're telling me stop moving and i'm just like i'm just breathing and the the, the sides are digging into to my ribs and the the bar that goes down your sternum is really starting to dig in at some point and you're just really uncomfortable and so all I could do to take my mind off of the pain in my ribs from the, the tray, right. that I, the slider that I was on, was to squeeze as hard as I could on the handlebars. I, like I was death right. gripping that thing. And <laughs> I just remember when it was all said and done, like my hands were shaking because I had such a grip on it. But 
because they even breathing sometimes they were like don't move and I'm like I haven't moved right it's a very awkward position to be in but um, you know they do their thing they're taking tissue they're sliding you in doing an MRI image they take you out they're you know doing you know more incision or you know taking more tissue because they were also trying to get as clean of parameters on that area right. as they possibly could um, I don't remember if I had stitches after that one or if it was also taped mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I got dressed and they give you parting gifts when you go through something like that. So my parting oh, gifts, nice. it was it was actually it was kind of cool, <laughs> but was it a brand new car? Because that would be no. the only thing that would be cool for me, Stephanie. <laughs> not while you're there, but um, so when when you leave, because you've been you numbed, you've been cut open, and now you're a little swollen. Right. They give you these perfectly breast sized um, adhesive backed oh. ice packs. Ah. Nice. To stick on you, and you know you Help keep them, the keep it with the swelling. Yep. And so I, that's what I drove downtown. With. Oh goodness! <laughs> but you could drive. I could drive. Yeah, because I wasn't Cause out. Under, it was just local. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Still, but just emotionally, you could drive. Like I, yeah, I, you go, girl, because I, I would have been a hot mess. I well because I still I already knew that right. I already had the diagnosis right. and so at that point there was nothing really for me to like kind of focus on except for one foot in front of the other right. um, and so again uh, as I said in episode eight nobody else is going to do this I still have right. stuff to do I still have to go to work I still have bills right. I still have appointments you know outside of these appointments right. the medical appointments so I just. I just did what I know to do and just do it. Right. So, um, yeah, so I went to lunch and nobody was the wiser and, you know, it's cold. It's December. Nobody S saw your ice packs on your boobs? No, because that's what I was getting getting to. Is Sorry. Because I it the was story. Sorry, <laughs> Stephanie. Oh my God. Because it was cooler, I had a scarf. And so oh. that kind of covered okay. where, so nobody, nobody knew. Nobody was the wiser. Nobody knew anything. Um, Which I, must have been awkward, too. I, it was because it was like this little secret that I had that wasn't right. anything to advertise, but like, hey, I got my, my bra stuffed. But like, it, but I mean, right. I mean, just in a, I, I don't know. I, I admire you because that's amazing. I would not have been able to be around people. I'd been like, get away from me now. I didn't really want to be, but because right. it was of the, the, the luncheon, the purpose of it, yeah, I was like, care. I, but you're I, a great do person. It. Because, I, yeah. because mm -hmm. the other thing too is I, I don't ever want anybody to, I don't have time for anybody, I should say, to stop by and be like, how are you feeling and what's going on? I don't have time for that shit. Get the... Uh, I, but see, that's the comment I was going to make when you were talking about Thanksgiving. I was like, she yeah. doesn't want anybody feeling sorry for I, her. She doesn't I want do, people's mm -hmm. pity. Right. I got this. Leave me alone. Which is why I still handled things as right. if nothing was going on. Right. Because it, nobody could do anything for me. It's just like this right. weird And your pity space. doesn't help me. It doesn't. It doesn't. And you know, I just, I don't need a parade of people. How are you feeling today? Because again, human nature is just a, what's going on? What's the next thing? How right. are you feeling? What's, I, I don't have time for that. And I'm not a people person. I am in the You're wrong not. business. Both sides, I'm in right. the wrong business. <laughs> well, and it gets to that point too where you know they're asking out of courtesy. It's not, right. You, you want to look at some of them sometimes and go, you want to know how I'm feeling? Here you go. 
Let me tell you. Let me draw you a picture. Cause Let me tell you all the things. Not pretty. Yeah. That I'm feeling right now. Well, and, and the the horrible thing is I don't, already don't sleep well, and mm-hmm. I hadn't for years. And then so now I've got the stress of like what's going on and, and all the things that I'm doing throughout the day and all the, the what's the next appointment and whatever. Right. And so then I really wasn't sleeping well. Um, complete zombie. But I still worked my you know regular job. I still worked in dentistry. Because I wasn't, I wasn't having anything done that would prevent me from doing either one. And so as uh, soon as I told, so it was after the biopsy, I had to sit down one day with the dentist that I worked mm. for, God bless him, Dr. Um, Benjamin Brian Fleming, who is no longer of this earth. And I went into his office and I sat down and I told him, and it was a crazy day. And I remember him like... <laughs> He was just Chinese fire drilling. He had two patients going. He was in his office looking for something, and I just walk in. I was like, Dr. Fleming, I have to talk to you about something. What is it? What do you need? You need this? You need that? I was like, no, actually, no, that's, I don't need any of that. And he's like, like so confused. And he's, he was a year younger than me, which that was always the, a joke at work because it was. Because um, then I was like, well, what have I done with all my life? But um, And so I, I told him and he just like didn't really have anything to say. But at the time, he was really good friends with a periodontist that, that was in town. I think she's no longer in the area, but she I think she's still practicing. But she had just before that been diagnosed with pretty aggressive breast cancer and she was going through um, things. And um, I remember being with a patient either that day or the next day that I worked and Dr. Fleming came in and took me from my patient. He says, you know, Stephanie, I, you, can I see you? And he, he knew the patient, so right. he was like, she'll be right back, which was totally out of character for him. He, he never did that for any other reason. And so I, I went into the office with him and he closed the door and he says, you know, um, would you mind if I talked to the periodontist about your case and see if she has any information for you? Or, you know, would you mind? And I appreciated that so much. And I was like, yeah, of course. But in, in the back of my mind, I was like, this couldn't have waited till after <laughs> we dismissed the patient. Um, but I just really appreciated that he even thought of, of me enough to think that it was important enough, not that it wasn't, but to think that it was important enough to pull me away from my patient and have that discussion right. versus, you know, at the end of the day or the, the beginning. Because during the middle of the day in dentistry, if, if anybody is unaware, things go sideways really fast and the schedule gets backed up and you just get behind. And so it, the days get crazy. And then at the end of the day, you just want to go home. Oh. But um, so he ended up calling her and listening to her story, but also that uh, finding out that she researched her doctors, if you will, her team. And as it turned out, the amazing plastic surgeon and the amazing breast doctor that she found on her own were my team. And I had no idea. And so I was like, well, if they're good enough for you and by default, like that's just who I got assigned to. I was like, bring it like ace team right here. Um, so from the interview, or from the information that I reviewed with Dr. Beatty and Dr. Hom, 
we started, so one of the things they said to expect was that your chest muscles, because I decided ultimately to do double mastectomy and, and reconstruction, the muscles in your chest, so you get scooped out like a melon ball. There's nothing there. Right. There's nothing there. There's no tissue, no muscle, nothing. It's just skin. Um, and so we started, my, my ex at the time, and I started looking for a power recliner because I knew that I would not be able to get in and out of a bed right. or on and off the couch mm. uh, without any great pain. And so we found a recliner and it was the best thing. I think that that should be a prereq for anybody going through breast cancer mm -hmm. or any surgery that has to do with the, the chest muscles because it, it was a lifesaver. I legit lived in that thing for two months. Did not see my bed for two months. <laughs> At some point, I remember being so frustrated because all I wanted to do was sleep in the bed. Right. But I was still so super uncomfortable. Um, it was also during the meeting that with Dr. Beatty and Dr. Hom that we discussed uh, post-op work expectations. So my regular job was not a big deal. Um, they put you on a two-week driving restriction because your, your muscles and everything, because of the trauma of the mastectomy, right. they, um, they tighten up really bad, and you, they just don't wanna risk you, you know, even just raising your right. arms is, is a lot of work. But for my dentistry, they said, because I, you know, raising my reaching. arms to get mm -hmm. the, the light overhead, and reaching for instruments and the, the radiographs and things like that, they said that probably it would be best to do like eight weeks off from that. So right. I, I set aside and, and booked somewhat a temp hygienist to come in and cover my shift for those eight weeks. And I could have gone back at probably six weeks, but since you know it was the courtesy of yeah. she already agreed and rearranged her right. schedule. So I was like, fine, I'll, I'll take it. But I only missed, legit missed three days of work. And I was allowed to work from home the rest of the days. So that first, so I think the surgery was like on a Tuesday and I was only at the time modified full time at my regular job. And so I only worked like three days a week there and I two, two days a week at the dentist. So overall, I only missed three actual days for my real job. Was, but were both the surgeries the same time? They were not. Oh, okay. So when so. did you have the mastectomy? Mastectomy was January 7th, I think, 6th, 7th, mm -hmm. something like that. And um, January 4th. Happy New Year, guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, I had my surgery at Roper downtown. My case was, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to have nipple sparing double mastectomy. So usually in double mastectomy, they cut you right across the nipples, right. scoop you out, and they remove your nipples. My surgery um, was done so that there's only a quarter incision, quarter circle incision on the sides. From the front, you would never know anything happened. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't even really know anything happened now because the scars have healed very so well. fairly well. They've lightened pretty well. Is that a, a plastic surgeon choice? To it depends on your or case. Or does it appear yeah, depend it on your cancer? And yeah, it depends from, from what I have maybe your gathered. Maybe the structure of your Right. Body. Um, but yeah, from, from the very beginning, they said that that was even my ultimate, you know, uh, the double mastectomy was going to be nipple sparing, which you know I was thankful. But it, right. even if they had to take them, take them. It's right. just tissue, really. And and I say that on this end when earlier I said that I was not going to be comfortable with just having the double right. mastectomy. But 
you know, whatever I could do safely to mm-hmm. keep, that's what I was going to do. So you said you, you took three days and then you went back to work. Do you mm-hmm. think you did went back to work to kind of avoid some of the emotional and mental? Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I don't say that lightly, but I yeah. know a lot of us, that's what we do. Yeah. I needed, I need to be occupied with something mm-hmm. just to, to get through things no matter what it is right. and, and all the shit that is, has occurred in my life since this, which, you know, anybody would say that this is bad enough. Well, <laughs> It can get worse. Right. But I, I need something to focus on so that I can stay out of my head. Right. Um, because that that just isn't a good place for anybody, anybody right. to be. But, yeah, I, I definitely needed something to occupy myself. But, plus, it was super busy. Like, right. I had people all over the world that were calling me because they needed, you know, one thing or another. And so I had to be there anyway. Right. So it was, it was actually nice. Because then I had something to do versus just watch TV all day. Right. So, yeah, but I, I did it in the recliner. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, and just the mental toughness to be able to keep going mm-hmm. every day. But knowing yeah. that you have a purpose. Right. You have a job that people right. need you, I'm sure, helped a yeah, lot. It really did. It really did. I don't know what I would have done if, if I would have had to not work. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, so the, the thing with... The double mastectomy, though, so right before they take you into surgery, they do, they give you, like, something, some, like, dye or something, and they they did some imaging, and they're checking for the lymph nodes, and to see that all of the lymph nodes are good, that nothing is affected, well, three of them hit, that, you know, signaled that there was something not quite right on the right side. And so during my mastectomy, they went ahead and took those three. Right. And so now, anytime I have my blood pressure done, it's on the left arm. arm. Even though the risk is super low. So if, if you have a mastectomy, whatever side you have the mastectomy on, you're supposed to do blood pressure on the opposite side because the chances are that you had lymph nodes also removed right. from that side. And so if you do blood pressure on the same side, you could um, have lymphedema issues, which is, uh, you know, just a backlog of gotcha. the fluid in your lymph system. It's a very painful uh, situation, and it causes swelling. But they they told me, yeah, probably. And that's no. caused from taking your blood pressure from from taking the lymph nodes because you have less lymph nodes to mm-hmm. filter everything. So it, you're if you do the blood pressure, it just like squeezes all the fluid up, and there's not enough uh, filters to, to filters. clean through okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. So they took three uh, lymph nodes from my armpits, and but they did slice biopsy on them because they sent them away. Okay. But everything came back fine. So I was like, thank God. You know, yeah. That's, I don't need anything Dodge else. Yeah. Um, but they did not, because of insurance, because you know, insurance is amazing. Amazing, yes. Mm-hmm. They did not automatically, it was not a plug and play where they scoop you out and put your implants in. No. Of course not. They gave me tissue expanders, which are That doesn't sound great. That sounds great. It's not, but thank God it was cold outside so I could wear layers and scarves to mask the Frankenstein body that I had because they were filled (laughs) with saline and they they would leak. So like they would leak into my body and like flatten. So I legit looked like I... To anybody listening, I do have pictures, but I'm, you guys can't see them. But I, I'll show you guys if if you so choose. Um, 
so yeah, so every week to two weeks, I had to go to Mount Pleasant to the plastic surgeon for um, checkups and make sure everything was healing well and, you know, my post-op um, appointments, but also to have to be refilled. And when they do that, there is not a valve anywhere. They bring out a needle a that's needle. this big mm-hmm. and go through your skin and refill them. Refill it. But For a fill-up. For a fill-up. I went for a fill-up quite often. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, God. Now, when you have double mastectomy, they when they scoop out all the tissue, they also are taking just, it's just part of the, the deal. They, the nerve endings for right. all your skin mm-hmm. go with it. So I don't have a lot of feeling mm-hmm. in my chest. But the place, this one day that he put that gigantic needle. He found it. Did have feeling. <laughs> he didn't warn me because I was not supposed to feel anything. And as soon as he went in, I lit, I almost, he had to pull me off the ceiling. And I got my, my hands on my belly anyway, because I'm just like, just just do this. Just the thought of knowing I had this giant needle outside of my face. And so as soon as he did it and I felt the sharp pain, I'm just like squeezing myself. And of course, he's cool as a cucumber because he's right. done this before. Um, it's thankfully, like I, I applaud his calm, cool collectiveness because he didn't, skip a beat he didn't pull out again he didn't like oh jump or anything like that but he was like you felt that and i was like yeah like all of it and he's like you weren't supposed to he's like yeah we're not doing that again (laughs) well that's good at least he realized (laughs) so yeah so i i I had to go for routine phillips for a few weeks um the time span from mastectomy to actual reconstruction was three months so January 4th was my double mastectomy, and March 29th was when I had my implants placed, also at Roper. Mm-hmm. And um, they placed, they called them gummy bear because they're um, sil- 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 silicone. And sorry, guys. You're fine. They, um, but the, the type of implant they are is, so like if you cut them open, just like a gummy bear, they mm-hmm. don't like ooze out. They don't lose their shape they're- or anything like that. So they're, yeah, they they don't compress they don't go anywhere i cannot guys i am a belly sleeper from the word go and i cannot sleep on my belly anymore that's the only thing i even hate. now even now like i know we had talked about post-op but mm-hmm. even now you can mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like i'm like teetering and the pressure on my lungs oh, is okay yeah so like if i have to have like if i go and have a massage done right. I, I do a pillow just to elevate okay. keep everything <laughs> even kiltered but uh, the implants that they put in, they have a textured outside. And I don't know what's the reasoning or, or the purpose for that, smooth versus textured. But they, uh, the implants that I got were 390 cc's, which equates for me to a D cup. And it was that's the same size that I was before all of this because I didn't want to tell anybody I didn't need a parade past my right. cube or anything like that. It, just in general, I didn't need to tell anybody. Um, but I did that so that nobody would know that anything happened. This is how much I try to control everything in my life. I just, I want, I don't need any attention. Right. I, I'm a complete wallflower. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't announce myself 
in the room, nothing. And so I wanted the equivalent of what I was before all this happened so that nobody would be asking any questions or, oh, you look like you've had work done. Mm-hmm. I didn't want any of that. And thankfully, again, it was still cool outside so I could cover all of that and mask it with scarves and, and right. sweaters and things like that. So nobody knew. Nobody still knows. So they, do na- they do now. They do well, now. they do but- if they're listening. That's why there's no last names. And I'm only going to ask this because <laughs> we we were very intimate earlier. Um, yes. You're a D cup? I'm a D cup. Hmm? So am I. That's why I find it funny that we were making jokes yep. about Stephanie being a small In fact, I... That's funny. I even took a picture of the tag in my bras to prove it. 34D. Yeah. I'm a 36. I mean, we're... That's funny. But that just goes to show that it really doesn't matter. Size does not matter, Size doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. (laughs) That's right. But the the implants that they gave me, two two years later, it was not off color um, (laughs) or off brand. The the implants got recalled because the texturedness, uh, the nature of those implants, I guess a lot of patients were getting lymphedema, lymphomas, Mm. and so they've recalled them. And because of that, I could voluntarily go back to my plastic surgeon and be like, I want these out for new ones, but I don't want to go under the knife unless I have to. And actually, a lot of people may not know this, implants only have a shelf life of like 10 or 15 years. It's like a fucking roof on your house. And so you have to continually go back for maintenance and you have still follow-up appointments. Um, So, but I was like, no, you know, even even knowing what I know about these, I'm not going to like voluntarily go and have surgery, open myself to possible infection because of the surgery. So we'll just deal with it and we'll just monitor it. And I see him, my uh, plastic surgeon and my breast doctor once a year now. But it was every couple of weeks and then it was every couple of months and then it was slowly every six months and now it's uh, annually for uh, they haven't given me a, a, a dead drop dead date so there you it's go. it's annual now but um the uh, my oncologist I saw him quite frequently every few months and would do blood work full-on CBC panel things like that and I was released from him after eight months so okay, I'm, that's great. I'm good with him right I have been clear I uh, every probably every two years now I would say I, I go and have a full blood panel CBC um, count done just to make sure everything is good mm-hmm. so yeah but the the the, the lucky thing I, you know, I was telling Erin this on the way here was that at the time of my diagnosis I was part-time with my regular job so I had to carry personal insurance out of pocket every month Mm. and so the actually the month that this all shook out was the um the director kept came to me and he's you know my admin is leaving would you like to come over and and be my admin I could go and be they do a modified full-time or full-time, and either one of those um, qualifies you for insurance. So I was like, okay, yeah, right before getting the Thank diagnosis. God. Yeah, so when this all happened, I had two insurance policies, and it worked out because all of the bills, I thought I had them. Yesterday I went looking for them, and I must have purged them about a year ago. The bills that I had course nobody paid the full amount but all of the starting costs on those bills came up to about a quarter of a million dollars between the mastectomy and the reconstruction and this was six years ago six years ago six years ago 
Yep. So thank God. Yeah. But you know, it just worked out that way. Like how like crazy is that that it, the right. way it worked out, the timing and all of this, and so yeah, a quarter of a million dollars. Because I'm going That's a to the insurance job tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Heaven forbid. But yeah, like right. the thing that so one of the things that the they warned me about before at the December seventh meeting, meeting my breast team and my plastic surgeon was that one of the things that that women have complained about since having double mastectomy mm-hmm. and implants is that and I thought he was full of shit, honestly. But he's the surgeon, but he knows better, right? But it still sounds kinda hooky is that women were complaining that their breasts would feel cold, which sounds so weird because there's skin there. But because there's no muscle covering the implant, the implant stays cold Cold. to touch. It's the weirdest thing. Hmm. So the first time I noticed it, I was like, that's what they're talking about. Interesting. It's not always, and there's no like rhyme or reason to it. They just feel cold, not not right now, but like, They'll feel cold. Like in the winter? Just in general, even in the summer. I was going to say that, like at certain times of year. Yeah. No, a little no, like there's no real rhyme or reason. Weird. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Cold, like, cold like it makes you cold or cold like your skin, skin your touches are just, just cold? The, the, like just the, yeah, just the breasts are, are cold. Yeah. I am not physically cold. Okay. okay. They so you are cold. feel it like if you touch you it. Touch. Not, yes. It's not, okay. Yeah. Even yeah, in the, you feel even in in the South bones. Carolina summer. Even in South Carolina. Interesting. Wow. Mm. Yep. Yep. Mm. So since Thanks all, for yes, it's it's the weirdest thing. Again, I, in my mind, I was like, yeah, you're full of shit. But he was right. He, but it's, again, it's weird. But, you know, so, so this has all happened. So this all happened. I was diagnosed at the end of 2015. And all my surgeries happened early um, 2016. I eventually um, got pregnant after this. Um, Of course, that was the plan all along was, you know, I'll I'll do the most drastic treatment to be able to try and have a family. And I got pregnant, only it was a non-viable pregnancy. So I ended up having to terminate that pregnancy um, because I was told I I was never going to bring her home. Um, a year later is when my marriage disintegrated and I'm not gonna, I won't get into all that. But so now that I am single, I, as much as I'm comfortable being alone, I do miss being with somebody Mm -hmm. just because I want to be, not because I need anybody, but the, I, I have this insecurity now having gone through this because essentially and this is exactly how um, Dr. Hom explained it was that you know your breasts are never going to look they they look amazing even he's proud of the work that he's done (laughs) because he he his words were you know it doesn't look like um, a reconstruction it looks like an um, um, just regular implants right so but he said you know it's going to be, there are going to be times when, you know, essentially it's like putting a sheet over a beach ball. So depending on how I sit or lay, there I have rippling. 
And so I, I'm a little, I mean, like it doesn't bother me in normal situations, but to even consider being right. intimate with somebody else, that it, I, it just like weirds me out. But the other thing is that um, one of my, some of my concerns were, are they going to work like they did before? Right. Because now they don't have all the nerve endings that mm-hmm. they did. And, you know, yes, was, was I just really hoping to look normal? Yes. But I also was really hoping that they would work normally too. And to a point, they do. They still react in cold. They still sometimes react to touch. I was going to say, but that's, yeah, but, part of intimacy. But, it, but yes, but like my hang up is um, being able to show my arousal mm-hmm. so that the person I would be with also knew that what they were doing right. was getting somewhere, like right. it was working. Um, that they should keep doing that. and right. But I don't always have I don't always have that feeling. Okay. And so, do I know how things should be reacting and and how I should be reacting? Well, yes, but like I don't I don't feel like I can't feel this. That. Okay. But pressure I can feel. Um, but again, only on certain areas do I actually feel something. But th- right. sometimes it, it takes a little more than just like a brush up against, right. you know. And so that has me a little, I guess, nervous. Right. But also, like, I if, I guess I, I'm downright scared, too, because not everyone can handle right. being with somebody who has, has this going on and right. has been through something like this. And so... You know, as much as I would like to meet somebody, it does it does make me nervous to uh, at some point get to that right. and be comfortable in my own skin with that person and hope that they're comfortable with me. You know, because I I don't do right. short term <laughs> visits. No, so <laughs> no visits. one night stands. No one night stands. No, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, and I, I mean, I can only imagine, and that kind of goes back to some of our discussions, too, about, you know, um, Stephanie and I often talk about boobs. Um, just And other things. And other things. <laughs> we talk about lots of things, but we do. We talk about boobs and uh, how they, again, as we talked about before, with women and that kind of thing, and that is a huge part. I mean, I think people forget that intimacy, you know, we, we jokingly named the beer second base, but that is an intimate, mm-hmm. you know, part of your sex life and yeah. so to kind of worry that the male or partner you're with isn't quite sure that what they're doing works and right. you you know but there is you know, kind of a hotness to having to tell hey that's good <laughs> but <laughs> yes. anyway sorry it's working focus. keep doing focus. it keep doing it okay stop stop yeah um but yeah i mean i can't yeah yeah so, so it's, it's just like all the things that the nuanced things that that come along with this that nobody can tell you because every situation, like right. nobody would have known that I would have had, you know, feeling on this side before you stuck a needle that was eight right. inches long into my right tit. But, you know, like it, you just can't plan for some of these things. But even like you said, they can tell you, but until you experience, like you said, the doctor was like, oh, it'll get cold. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> until you, then you're like, oh, he they're wasn't, boobs. Why wouldn't they be warm? <laughs> he wasn't lying. They do get cold. Yep. So, yep. yeah. I mean, even if they tell you, you're mm-hmm. still. Till you experience it. So. Yeah. So yeah, all these these life things going. Yes, but they've made you so strong. They yes, and and I always thought and felt that I was you know strong. I've always been independent. I was the you know I'm the firstborn of four kids, and I've always kind of done my own thing. But uh, definitely with like 
even even with Carrie with you, like I not that I hated it, but like I hated actually I don't like asking other people for help. Oh yes. To mm-hmm. take me somewhere. Like <laughs> if I don't have to get a ride to an appointment, right. then I, that, fine. Like but right. Dan for anyone listening, I'm sure some of you guys know, but like you cannot get an Uber after surgery because no. you are under anesthesia You're and it's a alone. safety thing. However, I really wanted to do that just so I didn't have to ask for help. Can, right. can you pick me up or can you do this? Or you know, just because I know that that I, I don't want to be a burden, not that it's a burden burden, but like I like to do things myself. If I can't do it, like I do a lot of stuff around my house, you guys know. Yes. No. <laughs> Stephanie is a fix it girl. So much so that my stepdaughter asked me if I installed the back doors. Uh-oh. <laughs> And I love that she thinks that I am that much of a badass, and right. I. But I know my limits. I, you know, I know when to call in the specialties. Um, but just to be able to like do for myself and not have to depend on anything. So when I have to, like that is just, it's hard for me. Right. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, just every little thing, any appointments. Just like on September third, I had to. So 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 after you get this done. Your, your mastectomy and your, your any reconstruction, if you have it so done, um, you have to go. They said at the time that every five years you would have to do an ultrasound just to make sure everything was good. Well, that protocol has now changed, and so they've changed it to not doing ultrasound every five years, but you're, to do an MRI okay. at your five-year. Well, because of COVID last year, because that just threw a wrench in everything, I did not have that done last year, and so this year, when I had my appointment with my regular follow-up with the breast doctor and, you know, Dr. Dr. Hom, they recommended to do the MRI. And so I had that, I had to sit in the same uncomfortable tube on the slider. It wasn't as bad and I wasn't being cut on, but it, that was still a 40-minute procedure and I'd still, you know, just, right. you know, hung out and got, you know, I didn't press the button. <laughs> Um, because I knew if I pushed the button it that go it was going to take even longer. longer. You are damn right. Yep. And it's already long enough. And right. But, you know, they're really good about telling you, okay, this is a three-minute one. Okay, this is a nine-minute mm. one. And the whole time you're just like, I just want it over with. I'm just counting. <laughs> but that one, I still drove myself to the appointment. I did take the day off. I, oh, good. But, oh, what, oh a, good. what a change of pace. The, the one time I take the day off and it's not for surgery or anything like that. But work has been crazy, and so I was like, I, I can't do this. I'm just going to take the day. And so I did. I scheduled this first thing in the morning. I was there at like 7.15, and it was about an hour, and I went home, and I just chilled on the couch. Nice. It. Good for you. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, the one time in, what, one six time. years. And did like 8 million people call you and make sure you were okay? I didn't just answer the phone. Just because you weren't at work. <laughs> oh, my God, is Stephanie okay? Where's Stephanie? No, What's wrong my, with Stephanie? My emails that Monday right. when I logged on, I was like, one day, guys. One, one day. day. One day. It's clearly one day too many. Shenanigans. See, I can't even take a day. <laughs> she can't take a day. Look we what happens. It was so bad. So I do four 10-hour days at, at that job that are more than 10 hours, but... That's besides the point. So I had already, by the end of the pay period, I had so much overtime that I did not have to take leave for the 10 hours I was gone that Friday. Take the day, Stephanie. <laughs> You've learned nothing. I keep I keep saying that life is short, and every yes. year I'm going to start using my PTO because, you know, it's user mm-hmm. yes. and I never use it, ever. If you ever. don't use it, take you her to lose Boston it. With you. Yeah. Take her to Boston with you. 
I maybe I should. So, so <laughs> I'm going to DC next month. <laughs> <laughs> going to Boston in November. Oh, New Orleans. Look, 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 look I'm, I, I'm at least getting out of the house a little more. I'm talking to people. This is true. Yes. This is true. I'm talking to people, and so you know, maybe something will come of that. But yeah, I am. I'm super nervous. You know, I'm. I'm super thankful that I got to see the other side of my diagnosis because entirely too many people, one person not seeing the end of their diagnosis is far too many. Um, but just trying to get comfortable with the, the idea of being with somebody, somebody new because the only person I was with because, through all of this right. was my ex. And so that's going to be the next hurdle for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then Stephanie came and helped us brew second base. So I, you know. I did yeah. help brew second base. She did. So. You know. There you go. And that's what save second base guys. that's right we gotta save it please make sure second that any, base at least at least second base that's um, right so if there's any like cautionary tale that i can tell anybody is anything that doesn't feel right like mine it started with a sensation in my armpit mm-hmm. nobody ever says that that's that's a potential right. area to feel um any you know breast cancer um, issues and so anything that just doesn't feel right please check it just you know even even if it's just in passing with your your doctor whoever your doctor may be whatever their practice specialty is your family doctor the the doc in the box just please bring it up have it documented so that if something comes of it down the road there's a record of it right i mean It, it matters. It does matter. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story because we know it isn't easy. Yeah. And we're glad you're part of the tribe and that you've joined us. Thank you so. for always um, having me with you guys. Of and seriously, I cannot say enough about all the amazing people that we have met along this journey. Yeah. And what episode are we on? Like 26, 20, 27? Something. I don't know. I it's 28. It'll be almost two crazy. years at the end of December. Yeah. Yeah. We're growing up. We are. <laughs> You know, you're one of those amazing people. Speak for yourself. Exactly. We feel like we've met and gotten to know. You are definitely one of the people on the amazing list. Thank you. So, yes. Yes. And, of course, you know, when when does Second Base come out? October 2nd, guys. That's right. So, 5 o'clock this coming Saturday. That's right. Come out. um, Wear your pink. Support um, breast cancer awareness because we all know somebody who is affected by it. And um, it... Male and female, something I did not mention is that Dr. Jennifer Beatty was the um, pioneer in getting insurance coverage for a man that was diagnosed with breast cancer yeah. here in South Carolina. Awesome. That is awesome. Because yeah. it does so affect men, and I think we forget Men and that. women. So, yeah. yeah, come out, wear your pink, uh, support That's right. breast cancer awareness. Wear your pink. Dave All, and Charleston will be there playing Dave the and piano. Charleston, I saw that. So um, we can get uh, the the steins. Yes, the, the mugs. Oh yeah. my god! If they're not sold out on the Friday, don't say that. Don't say. I have, oh, I need to come up on Friday and buy that. Just saying words. Just <laughs> talking. Saying, don't jinx it. Sorry. Don't jinx it. That's right. But 5 p.m. October yeah. 2nd. Come out. Support uh, breast cancer awareness. It is a cherry limeade, um, Berliner Weiss, mm-hmm. and it is. Oh my God, you guys, it is so good. It, the color is perfect. The balance of the cherry and the lime is just... It's like someone woke up one day and yeah, it's said, delicious. 
Chef kiss. Sonic. Right. <laughs> so we should make a Sonic. Can't imagine beer. where we got that from. No idea where we got that no. from. No idea. So, oh my yeah. god. Come out in your best pink outfit. Yeah. To or the one that you're gonna buy on Amazon tonight. <laughs> That's right. Or that one. Me. It was in my shopping cart, cart yesterday, yep. and I didn't hit. Shot. I didn't hit. Um, buy. Buy now. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yep. Support a wonderful cause. Meet All some day, amazing women day. because we'll have lots of and people the proceeds. out there. Proceeds are going to breast cancer awareness. Yeah, they are. Which we're very excited about. So, you know, growing up. We like it. So I love it. We're doing good things. We're kicking ass and taking names later. Damn straight. Love it. It's what we do. We're empowering women. It's what we're about. People in general. Right, Birch? You know you want to whisper. You know you want no. <laughs> and All on right. that note, it is a yep. Monday night. Well, thank you. Not anymore, but have a great one. And Thanks, hopefully, we'll guys. see you next See you Saturday, Bye. 5 o'clock, October 2nd. Second base. Bye. Yay.